We are C family. Uh, so good to have you with us tonight. Uh, we're doing a little bit something different, different on tonight. We're going, we're, we're doing our, our, our live stream, and so it's a little bit different on having that space and not having you here in front of me. And and um, but at the same time, we, we're, we're trying to make some adjustments just to make sure that uh, we, we 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 properly go through protocol and uh, keep everybody safe and. And uh, I just thank God for you all being willing to adjust with us uh, kind of on the fly, in a sense. And so I uh, just thank God for you tuning in. We thank God for you for, for you uh, being with us even on this evening. Um, we, we put out uh, different ways. We, we want to make sure that, that as we're worshiping and, and um, as we're partaking of the word and we're yet worshiping together, um, that we put out all the ways that you could give. Um, please make sure that you give your tithe and your offering. You can um, give that uh, several different means that we, we've given and that, that uh, should be, be displayed to you all um, and have been multiple times. You can text to give. Um, you can cash app. Um, you can actually come and drop off your seed if you're not good and savvy with the phone. We're right here in the sanctuary. Um, you can feel free to do that as well. And we just thank God for all of you all being obedient to God um, in your giving. Um, and, and, and thank God for that. And on behalf of Pastor Tiffany Moore, I say hello to you too as well. As um, she, as, as well as I do, love to see everybody's face. But um, that's not the case tonight. Amen. And um, we plan on having a great New Year service. And so we're still getting ready to get together in Arlington. We want to make sure everything is set to go for that, and so uh, we can get together and, and introduce this new year. Um, anytime you begin to transition, one thing you have to remember, anytime you begin to transition, um, we're about to enter into 2021, and in entering into 2021, we're entering into promises that have already been proclaimed. We're entering into a doorway of such for those who are tapped into the kingdom. You're not just crossing over into a date. You're actually um, going through a door that, you know, when, when, when the clock strikes 1201 and it's January 1, 2021, we didn't just change dates. We went through a door for those who are called in the kingdom, for those who are, who are called in, and for those who honor the prophetic word of God. The Bible talks about how we are to believe in the prophets and we shall prosper. I promise you that this is a year um, that we're going to prosper. And, and so we're transitioning into that. We're, we're right at the edge of, of entering into a door for which we already know promises have been proclaimed. And any time that takes place, you know that there's going to be excess warfare. There's going to be a time where the enemy attempts to try to get us to question um, what God has said and what he has done. But I want you and to know, first of all, that we have received a kingdom which cannot be moved. That that I'm not moved, and I don't want you to be moved at all. But but I, I just want you to understand all is well. And this is what happens anytime you're about to enter into the doorways, anytime you're about to transition into greater glories and greater promises of God. Amen. But but our people are well, we are well. God has blessed us and He's kept His word, and He always does. Um, concerning our lives, um, concerning our lives. And so, so I just thank God for you all um, understanding that and um, holding fast to the Word of God. We, we understand holding fast to the name of the Lord um, is, is very imperative in these times. We, we are not moved. Amen. We're, we're right where we need to be. And um, God is going to continue to do what He said He's going to do. Nothing happening changes that. And um, so we thank God for that. Um, you know, I know that the year 2021 will be a year of holiness. This will be a year that holiness is anybody who has an ear to heaven, anybody who's understanding what the kingdom wants to establish will, will tell you that holiness will, will be magnified. Holiness will be understood. Holiness um, will be desired. Uh, men and women will begin again to aspire to be holy as God is holy. Um, in, in 2021. It's a year of singleness. It's a year of holiness. And um, it's a year of knowledge. 
uh, Hosea 4 and 6 says something so key. He said, my people. He didn't say uh, unsaved people. He didn't say people who did not have a relationship with him. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people. So you can, we can actually be no, uh, walk with God. We can actually be considered his possession and yet be destroyed for lack of knowledge or lack of knowing him. Amen. This, this isn't a time um, not to understand and know. And so even as we're emphasizing holiness, one of the, 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 the pushers that's going to really steer and generate this next move of God is the teaching. Um, people are going to be taught the word of God. People are going to be taught the kingdom of God. People are going to understand and be able to walk with and interact with God himself. Amen. Teaching is going to take the forefront as well. Amen. Because there, so many people are, are, are stuck. And um, he said, you're destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you. In other words, it's not that the knowledge is not available. It's not that the knowledge is not available. And so um, you're going to see teachers rise up, prophetic teachers, teachers that have power and authority on their life with an agenda to bring men and women of God into the knowledge of God. Not the learning of God, but the knowledge of God. It's one thing to learn about Him. It's another thing to know Him. They're going to teach men into an intimacy, into communion, and into a, 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 um, a, a oneness with God. A oneness with God. And so um, tonight, I want to stay in that vein of teaching um, you all. And I actually pulled me up a seat tonight. Go figure that. Um, I didn't think I would do that, but I, I, I think I might be able to sit down from today and try to teach this. And um, we'll see, see if I can stay in my seat. Um, and see, we'll see if the Lord says something different and we shift. And who knows? Uh, but, but we'll see. Um, but I want to get into the um, keep it a, a school and academic atmosphere. And I want to deal with something that I feel is necessary today. I want to deal with the topic of baptism. Um, I, I think if we're going to get back to holiness and if we're going to get back to righteousness, then we need to understand baptism a little bit more than what we do. Um, and so it, it's not just me going down in the water, getting a certificate, taking a picture with my family, and then trying to do the best that I can. Um, the purposes of God are going to be reiterated during this hour. In all honesty, if I could be real right now, we don't come to church just to get a word for our situation. That's not the purpose of preaching. The purpose of preaching isn't to come to get a word for your situation, although that might happen. The purpose of preaching is to perfect you so you can now go to work for the kingdom and the body of Christ can be built. Amen. And so there's just a lot of purging that must be done because there's people that have been in church for 30 years still trying to get a word for their situation. And, and um, what it does is it creates a vicious cycle of neediness um, where individuals be begin to become addicted to church instead of ambassadors of God and individuals uh, who can represent the kingdom. They, be they become addicted to a church style and addicted to a dance and addicted to a shout. And I love shouting and I love dancing, um, but I understand that that within itself, if that's the end of it, uh, praising and shouting is a means, it's not an end. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Those are means to get to an end, um, and so, which is to interact with God and to know God. And so I believe that there's a lot of misconception about baptism, that's keeping a lot of individuals who have been baptized in, in water. First of all, they've been baptized doctrinally wrong, and second of all, because of that, they, they're out of position to be baptized by Holy Spirit. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this. God kind of brought me here today, and I'm going to teach on baptism on today because um, I don't believe that if we don't get this right, we can be holy. Because ultimately, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be holy. The Holy Spirit, above all else, doesn't make us dance, doesn't make us shout, doesn't make us fall out. And I love to dance. I love to shout. And I love to fall out under the power of God. I love all of those things. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit makes us holy as he's holy. Um, and so um, 
I want to deal with baptism because we must reposition ourselves so we won't have so many unbaptized believers trying their best to do the right thing. The reason why there's so many unbelievers trying their best to do the right thing is because they're not baptized. Um, and so let, let's, let's just jump into it. And I pray, pray that you're with me today. And, and um, hopefully uh, God blesses you to uh, get something out of this. And I'm going to take my time with it. More than likely, I won't be able, um, more than likely, I, I won't be able to finish all of this, but I'll touch it. I want to deal with John's baptism versus Christian baptism. I want to deal with John's baptism versus Christian baptism. Kind of break that thing down and, and see where God wants to take us, take us on this thing. Um, and so uh, let's jump on in. Let's jump in. I want to deal, first of all, with the word baptized. What does that word mean um, as we cover and deal with the doctrine of baptism? Uh, we first and foremost want to continue to uh, consider that verb. What does that verb mean, baptize? That word uh, comes from a Greek word, baptizo. It comes from a, a Greek word, baptizo, and it means to dip, to plunge, to completely submerge something beneath the surface of water or some other liquid. It, 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 when you're baptized, you go all, it, one way I put it when I preached it one time is it's all the way in. There's no part of you left out. To be baptized is to be completely submerged over your head, entire body, all encompassing, everything in, everything beneath the surface uh, when you are baptized. Uh, that's very, very key. To understand baptizo, complete submersion. Now, um, and I'm gonna take my time because I know some people are taking notes, and I won't move too fast on these uh, slides, but but I will um, continue to, to cover them. Um, now, I want to deal with the dual nature of baptism. What is the dual nature? What what does it mean to be baptized? Why do we do it? Do we just get saved and go in the water and get our certificate? Um, is this just what we do when you get saved, or, or, or what's the purpose of this, and what's the nature of it? Uh, first and foremost, baptism speaks of a transition. God, I need you to get that if you don't get nothing else. When you are being baptized, you're making a transition. Uh, you're going down in the water and coming back up out of the water is a shifting from one state of life to another state of life. What you're saying is the way I went up. The way I went down, I come up a completely different way. And, and, and we'll get into that in a minute, but we need to understand I've transitioned. It is a declaration. It is a testimony of transition. It, 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 bapti baptism, baptizo, it speaks outwardly of shifting from one realm of living into a completely different realm of living. Amen. It's a, it, it, it's a shift. It's a, we need to understand, it's a transition. And I won't even be able to get to all of that this week. But I, I need you to understand the emphasis of transition, that, that baptism is transition. Um, and, and so now I want to continue that, the nature of baptism. Um, secondly, when an individual is baptized, and I, I touched on this earlier, uh, there's a reason every portion of their body is taken down in the water. It's a reason why you don't just dip your toes in the water. It's a reason why you don't just put your arm down in the water. It's a reason why you don't just put your legs in the water. Every part of you is dipped down in that water to speak of the totality and the entirety of the act of baptism. Baptism is an all-encompassing act. Amen? Baptism speaks of everything changing. Come on, everything changing. Baptism speaks of everything shifting. In every area of the baptismal candidate's life, right, everything changes, everything's shifting. It's not them just saying, I need to stop drinking, and if I stop drinking, I get baptized. I need to stop using foul language. I change my language, and I get baptized. No, it's not just me dipping my language down underneath the water. It's not just me dipping my alcohol addiction underneath the water. It's every aspect of who I am being submerged in the water. Right? That's important to understand. That, that's important to understand. Why is that so important 
for us to understand that I'm, I'm going to try not to move fast because I know I have people who are watching and, and people tend to tell me that I, that I, that I move fast. Um, baptism isn't. Listen to this. And this is why we're running into problems with baptism. Baptism isn't for people that are trying to change or do a little bit better or know they are wrong and are now making steps in the right direction. If I'm trying to do a little bit better and I see myself doing a little bit better, I don't get baptized. If I'm starting to make changes, I don't get baptized. Baptism isn't for people who, who are who are tweaking things and changing things. Baptism are, is for people who are ready to change it all. Baptism is for people who are ready to shift everything about their life. That's why we see so many people being baptized and their baptism has no significant grace of change on their lives because all they did was stop doing drinking all the, and then they got baptized. All they did was, was make a commitment to live a better life and then they got baptized. But that's not the preceding requirements of baptism. No, no, we don't just, you don't just bring your foul language. You don't just bring your, your sex outside of marriage. You don't just bring your bad attitude. Everything about you must be submerged. It's all-encompassing. And so most people who are being baptized are just, it's almost like just dipping their foot in the water. And they wonder why they still have the same feelings, same issues, same trials. You know, um, it's like some people just sticking, getting in knee deep in the water. And you wonder why I still fight with the same sins and so forth and so on. Well, that's simply because you didn't understand the nature of the act. Why would I put all of myself in but only bring in uh, one or two issues? I put all of my body in, but I only change one or two issues. Amen? So this is, this is what we need to understand about baptism. Baptism is for people who have embraced the mindset of complete change in its entirety. And they aren't ashamed nor scared to declare it publicly. I'm changing. I ain't living the way that I was living before. I'm changing. I ain't doing life like I was doing life before. I'm changing. You know, I'm not talking. I'm not just going to change my talk. I'm going to change my walk. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm aligning all of myself under the Lordship of Christ. I'm putting my whole life in this, in this thing. And if we understood the, the total transitional nature that baptism speaks of, we, we wouldn't be so quick to illegitimately baptize so many people today who really haven't made up their mind to change. They just made up in their mind to change something. Baptism isn't for people who made up their mind to change. Something. Baptism is for people who've made up in their mind to change, period. Amen? Baptism is saying I'm embracing total change and transition in my life. I'm no longer accepting the person I was at all. And I'm going through baptism as a public declaration of that very fact. Uh, that, that needs to be understood if we're going to embrace baptism and um and really walk in the power that baptism releases. And I'm going to deal with the supernatural power that baptism in faith releases ultimately. Um, could we leave those slides up a little bit longer? Just for some people that might be writing, I don't think they can write them that fast. Um, and look at me telling y'all to slow down. Who, who do I think I am? I'm the one that's always, always speeding, right? All right. I want you to see something. The doctrine of baptism, right? We're just dealing with this. The doctrine of baptism. Hebrews 6 and 2 says something. Hebrews 6 and 2 says, of the doctrine of baptisms. I'm in the next slide, Hebrews 6 and 2. And I'm going to let everybody see that. Glory to God. Thank the Lord. Y'all see that? You should see there Hebrews 6 and 2 of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, not baptism, singular. That scripture makes it clear that baptisms are plural. The doctrine is plural. It's not just one baptism. It's actually several different baptisms in the Bible. And, and in order for us as a people to be completely built up in the faith of baptism, 
we must understand, watch this, that there are actually four baptisms mentioned in the Scripture. There are actually four baptisms. Ain't that something? There's four baptisms mentioned in the Scripture. And I want to share these tonight because I, I believe that many of us aren't getting to the fourth baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because we don't quite understand the baptisms of, of Scripture. So there are four baptisms mentioned in Scripture that I want to show you tonight. Right? What, what are those four baptisms? There's John's baptism. There's the baptism of suffering. There's Christian water baptism. And there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. Four baptisms. Uh, again, John's baptism, John the Baptist. You got the baptism of suffering. You have Christian water baptism. And you have baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Four, four scriptural baptisms that we need to be familiar with that are actually in Scripture. Now, I want to deal first and foremost, um, and I'm just going to touch on these and go back to, to John. But I'm going to touch on each one of these and go back to John to kind of help us understand why there's so many people being baptized in water but are not really being submerged, baptized, filled, and empowered by Holy Spirit to live to live uh, victorious lives. Um, so we have first John's baptism. See, uh, we got the baptism of John, and and what did John do? John's baptism was that of submerging the Jews into water at the Jordan River. He had them coming down to the Jordan River, and his baptism was what for the exclusive purpose of repentance from sin. Uh, John's bat, John baptized for the baptism of repentance. His baptism now was for those for individuals to repent, to change their mind about their sin, to, to turn from their lifestyle, right? Um, to, to, to make a change in life. And he required complete submersion. He didn't, he didn't ask them just to dip their hands or their feet. He said, no, I want you to dip your whole body. It speaks of your whole life. I want you to, to change aspects of your life um, um, through my baptism. Now, John's baptism is mentioned in Mark chapter 1, verse number 4. It says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And we'll get into that deeper. Um, but, but that's the mention of his baptism. The second baptism... Uh, not a popular one, is the baptism of suffering. When was the baptism of suffering inaugurated? It was inaugurated by Christ's suffering. When Christ was wrongfully accused, when Jesus was scourged, he, he, he was given a false judgment and ultimate death on the cross. That was his baptism of suffering. And as a result, all that will follow Christ will be baptized or also dipped into suffering. We need to understand that, too. If we're going to follow him, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. We can't get past the baptism of suffering if we're going to walk with God. Right? Now, that's the bad news about it because we can do everything right, but yet and still we're going to deal with some suffering. But this is, that's bad, but this is the good news about suffering. The good news about suffering is suffering is a baptism. I just need you to say that at home because that should get you excited. Suffering is a baptism, not a bath. See, we're called to dip in suffering, not stay in it. That's good news. We're all going to go down in it, but we're going to come right back up out of it. Amen. We're not supposed to be lifelong sufferers. Amen. It, 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 the call to the Christian life is not a call to a life of suffering. The Bible says narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. He didn't say narrow and difficult is life. He said narrow, narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. Once you get through that narrow and difficult, life is good, but you have to go through the baptism. 
You have to go. I'm not taking a bath in suffering. I'm not spending two weeks down. I'm not spending a season in dark. I'm not. I don't have to do that. I'm baptized. Anybody, if you ever seen somebody baptized, they go down and come right back up. See, that's what you need to understand that's going to happen in this next season. The reason why some of you suffered over time more than you should have suffered, because the devil lied to us and told us that suffering was just an, for an extended period, but suffering is a baptism. Just like I watch somebody be baptized in water and they go down and come back up. This thing might hit me and I might go down, but I'm coming right back up. See, I need y'all to get that in your spirit. Now, if I was here with the church, I might jump up off the stage right now and really go in on that point. Because it's just a going down and coming right back up. You don't stay there long. You don't have to stay struggling. You don't have to stay oppressed. You don't have to stay in the dark. You go down and you come right back up. Amen? So, so now Luke 12 and 15 says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how I am distressed, I am till it is accomplished. That was Jesus talking of his suffering. That was Jesus talking of his baptism into suffering. I have a, a baptism to be baptized with. He had already been baptized in Holy Spirit at Jordan River. So he wasn't talking about that. Amen. Another scripture, he's talking to James and John. Because James and John are saying, look. We, his, their mom asked, can, can my son sit at your right and left hand when you enter into your kingdom? Uh, and Jesus said unto them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? He's talking about the cross. He said, and they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, shall you be baptized. So we have, number one, baptism of repentance, John's baptism. Number two, we have now water baptism. Or excuse me, we have baptism of suffering. That's number two. Number three, we're going to deal with Christian baptism. So again, I'm going to say that again. We have the baptism of John, baptism of repentance. We have the baptism of suffering. That's number two. Then we have Christian Water baptism, Christian baptism in water. This is the one that we need to really, really, really understand. Um, it's the third baptism, and it's mentioned in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen by the Lord. He says, "Go ye therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son." And of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Christian baptism is distinguished because it is to be done in the full name and full authority of the Godhead. It is to be done in the full name and the full authority of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the baptism in the truth that God is three persons, and we are willingly embracing all three. Christian water baptism. God in three persons. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People get crazy on this, so I baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. Amen? Either way. Um, but you, it, it's, the full, it's, it's the full Godhead. We're baptizing them in the full Godhead. And then, fourthly, we have baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fourth baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus directly distinguishes baptism in the Holy Spirit from baptism in water. So we understand that, too, that, that there is a baptism that follows baptism in water. That's why we have to get that right, and that's what I want to work towards um, ultimately. Um, he distinguishes baptism of the Holy Spirit from John's baptism. He says in Acts 1 and 5, this is Jesus speaking. He says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. The baptism in the Holy Spirit um, is a different, it's a baptism that's separate from the baptism of John. It's separate from which use water and it's separate from Christian baptism. And it, it functions as an endowment of supernatural power to be a witness for the Lord. 
and we'll jump into that later. I want to go back to John's baptism. I want us to get this because um, I believe that there's some, some answers for us today uh, here. So we, we covered the four baptisms. We got John's baptism. We got the baptism of suffering. We got Christian water baptism. And then we got baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's actually four. Four expressions of baptism. Right? Now let's go to John's baptism. I want to really kind of define John's baptism because I'm, because John's baptism isn't the baptism that precedes baptism of the Holy Spirit. Christian baptism is. Most people, and I'll, I'm going to show it to you in Scripture, many people are trying to use John's baptism to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's where I believe the hang-up is. And, I, and I'll try to get into this because John's baptism isn't Christian water baptism. And um, we need to differentiate between the two. Now, let's go into John, Mark chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. This is the description of John's baptism. This is a description of John's ministry. It says here of John, it says, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Verse 5, then all the land of Judea went out to him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. All right? Now, I'm going to read that one more time, and I'm going to point out two requirements. It's very important that when we read Scripture, we read it carefully, strategically, and um, we, we, we absorb it. I'm going to read it again. It says, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea went out to him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, I want you all to notice the two requirements of John's ministry. And they're still valid today. Amen. The two requirements of John's ministry, what are they? The two requirements of John's ministry was repentance and public confession of sins. I'm about to get in trouble in a minute. The two requirements of John's ministry were repentance and public. Everybody, everybody at home say public. If you didn't say public. The two requirements of John's ministry were repentance and public confession of sins. So what am I trying to say there? Uh, only those who were willing to meet these two conditions were baptized by John. Y'all need to understand that. John did not offer his ministry to everybody. If they weren't willing to repent and publicly confess their sins, then John would not minister to them. So John's ministry demanded those who were real about changing, those who were real about going in another direction, of, of living righteously, that he literally required them to step down in the Jordan River. I want you all to notice the bold letters in front of everybody. He required them to confess their sins out loud in front of everybody, and be baptized in front of everybody. Y'all see that? They were to step down in the Jordan River in front of everybody, confess their sins out loud in front of everybody, and be baptized in front of everybody. And if they were not willing to do that publicly, John would not minister to them, and they could not receive the grace flowing through his ministry to repent and receive remission of sins. There must be willingness. See, this is what, the, what John's ministry is telling us. There must be willingness to publicly admit one's wrong living if true repentance is going to take place. See, we, we've got into this, this Christian thing where we don't want to make nobody shame or we don't want to embarrass nobody. So everybody just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't look around. We don't want to see who's, who's, who's raising their hands so they can confess their sins. And we'll come and we'll pray with you because we don't want you to be embarrassed. That's really not the way ministry was to go. When, when, see, when you really repent, you will do it publicly because you don't care who knows what you did because you're not going to do it anymore anyway. I need y'all to get that. You ain't going to do it no more. It don't, it don't matter if I tell you what I did. I'm not going to do it no more anyway. Amen. Uh, repentance of sin is to be public. I need to publicly confess what I did and then release, uh, receive the remission of those sins. 
It's not a quiet person. You, why, you know why so many people have secret struggles? Because they try to secretly get free. You know, you know how people still have, they, you know, so many people still have an issue that, that they're still hiding because they're trying to get delivered while being hid. They won't want to bring it out to the light. They want to, they want God to free them in a, in a personal space where they really don't have to make a confession. Amen. John's ministry had power because men were publicly, they came out to the Jordan River publicly in front. They wasn't hiding it. They wouldn't hide nothing. They stepped down in that river in front of everybody. They opened their mouth and confessed their sins in front of everybody. And then John took them down in the water for the repentance and remission of sins at, for, in front of everybody. And they walked away with a measure of liberty they did not have. There's people who are secretly trying to get free in pews every week, and they're walking back still with that secret struggle because they don't want to come public. All right, so why did John's baptism require public repentance? This is key. Because first of all, John's baptism functioned as a means. Now get this. This is important for us to understand about baptism. John's baptism functioned as a means to what? Prepare the hearts of people, the people of Israel, for the advent. What is the advent? A-D-V-E-N-T. You need to understand that word. The advent or arrival. For the arrival and revelation of their long-awaited Messiah, he was the forerunner. He was the one preparing their way. How was he preparing the way? He wasn't preparing a physical way. He was preparing their hearts to receive their Messiah through bringing men into public confession and public repentance. He was preparing their hearts. How was that? Right? How was that? And you'll see why we have such a struggle today with people who want to keep personal relationships but don't have any public testimony of the personal relationship that they claim to have. See, because now if we're going to deal with holiness next year, we've got to correct some stuff. I'm just letting you know that right now. We've got to do it doctrinally. We've got to do it through the teaching of Scripture. This is why John required public confession. John required a public confession because the Messiah would require a public commitment. I need y'all to get that. John required a public confession because Jesus would require a public commitment. See, if you're ashamed of publicly confessing your sins, then you're going to be ashamed of publicly committing to Christ, period. You show me somebody and said, look, if they're not willing to confess I'm free of alcohol, then I guarantee you they're not going to be willing to come out and confess and, and, and to, to be an ambassador for Christ. They won't be open about their relationship with God. People who are not free of their sin are always the people who talk about having a personal. I just got a relationship with God that's personal. But, but there should be some public evidence. Amen? Why do you want to keep it personal? You've never publicly confessed your sins. And many people have changed what is supposed to be called sin into struggle. This is my struggle. And so there is a shameness when it comes to public confession of Christ. If you're ashamed of your sin, you're going to be ashamed of the one who saved you from your sin. Because in reality, we're not free of any sin if we're ashamed to publicly confess that we're free from it. If I can't publicly confess... Uh, that I'm free of something, then I'm not free of it. If, I'm, if I can't publicly confess he freed me, then he's not my Savior. Public confession produces public commitment. Why do we have so many secret followers of Christ? Because they're still in secret sin. Amen? That's a lot. It's a lot to... To carry, that's a lot to think about. But people who are ashamed to confess their sins will never be true, bold, true, bold public followers of Jesus Christ. That's important. We, we need to get back down to some of those, those grassroot things and understand some of those um, grassroot things. All right? Um, the second aspect of John's public baptism of repentance. I want to deal with the second aspect of that. Um, secondly, watch this. 
John's baptism was temporary and transitional in nature. It was temporary and transitional in nature. His baptism was a link between it, the dispensation of the law and prophets, which was brought to its conclusion in his baptism, and the dispensation of grace brought forth by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He was now the link between two dispensations. Um, he was the transition between two dispensations, the Old and the New Testament, the law and grace. Amen? Um, he was now the bridge between the two. You, you had to cross the bridge of repentance to move out of the law into grace. He had a transitional ministry. Amen? That's important to understand if you're going to understand baptism and what his baptism did and why, you, why we're able to see that I, I believe that there are more people still walking under John's baptism than there are Jesus's. And we'll see in a minute, and I'll show you why in a minute, because we've confused John's baptism for Christian baptism. John's baptism is not Christian baptism. We don't, we're not baptized in the name of John. Uh, we're not baptized in repentance, in, in remission and repentance of sin. And I'm going to show you, show you that in a minute. That's not what Christian baptism is. Um, now, how Israel benefited from John's baptism. How did, how did Israel benefit from John's baptism? Now, now watch this. I'm going to bring up two scriptures real quick. And I'm going to talk about how Israel benefited. What was the power of his baptism? What did he bring forth? What did he accomplish through that baptism? Two scriptures I'm going to bring up to kind of help us deal with that. And that is Mark chapter 1 verse 4 says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. We've already went over that verse. So we got Mark chapter 1 verse number 14, right? Mark chapter 1 verse 4, excuse me. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance. For the remission of sins. Amen. And then we have Matthew 3 verse 11. He says, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. These are two descriptions. So, so ultimately, what I want you to notice out of that, what I want you to get out of that, is that John's baptism was a baptism into, into repentance and into remission of sins into repentance and into remission of sins. Those who received John's ministry and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, they, they did not um, receive Christ. They did not receive the things of God. They were baptized into um, repentance, and then as a result, there, were a me there was a measure of remission of sin. There was the power of sin um, to a measure was broken off of their life. If I put it this way, so John's baptism was a baptism into repentance and into remission of sins, or in other words, those who received John's baptism, those who, who, who benefited from his ministry, those who benefited from his ministry received a measure of grace to repent of past sins and received a measure of forgiveness for past sins. Right, that, that we need to understand that that that's what John's baptism did. There were literally when people went down in the water by John, when people went down in the water by John and came back up. If you looked at them, there were measurable, obvious, and substantial changes and shifts in these people's lives that was brought about by John's ministry to them. They they changed some stuff. There was some stuff that they was doing wrong. They walked away from the Jordan River. They made up in their mind they wasn't going to do that no more. There were, there were ways that they acted that they didn't act anymore. There were things that they did that they didn't do anymore. His, his ministry had that impact on them to release a measure of remission, put sin into remission. You think about cancer going into remission. That means it's no longer active. It puts sin into remission. But, but um, this is what we got to understand about all that, uh, what John's baptism didn't do. It wasn't the baptism itself that brought about repentance and forgiveness, but those who were baptized by John came with repentance in their hearts. We, now, you got to get this. 
going down in the water was simply an outward act of, of, of how John's preaching had already pricked their heart. Going down in the water was simply an outward act of how John, John's preaching had already pricked their He had already cut to their heart. So this is what we got to understand about John's baptism. John's baptism in itself was not a means in any way to change those who were baptized. They were baptized because they were already changed. Before they went down in that water, they had already made that change in their heart. They had already they had heard him preaching. John was a preacher. Right? They had heard him preaching. And, and that's key. So with that, and understanding that, John's baptism in itself was not a means in any way to change those who were baptized. They were baptized because they were already changed. So John's baptism was non-compromising. What does that mean? John wouldn't baptize everybody simply because they wanted to be baptized. There had to be evidence of true change. He wasn't baptizing everybody. You could show up there. That don't mean he, he was going to baptize you. There were some lawgivers that showed up, right? And, and this is his response to them. He, he, his response gives evidence that he didn't baptize everybody just because they showed up and said, look, we want to check this out. We want to be baptized. He didn't do that. And this is the reason why. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. But when he, John, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Come to his baptism. He said to them, you broad of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits. Notice how he connects fruit to repentance. Therefore bear fruits. Worthy of repentance. Right? I'm going to read that again. But when he, John, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming down to his baptism, he said unto them, broad of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. So John demanded that they bear fruit of repentance before they were baptized. I need y'all to get that. He wanted. He said, look, where's the fruit on your life of repentance? What is fruit? Fruit is something that is tangible. Fruit is something that is visible. Fruit is something that is noticeable. It, fruit is something that's out in the open for any and everybody to see. Amen. In other words, what was John saying to them? He was saying, I'm not going to baptize you based off of an emotion or some sort of invisible faith you claim. Your life needs to prove that you have indeed made up in your mind to change. That's heavy. That's heavy. He said, look, I'm not baptizing you just because you want to be baptized. Where's the fruit? There's got to be something hanging on your life. There's got to be Something on your life that validates that you've made up in your mind, I'm going to live different. Not I'm going to try to live different. Not I'm going to get to it and I'm going to get better. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Otherwise, you don't need to be baptized. John demanded a real change in an individual's life before he would baptize them. This tells us something about the nature of true repentance. I want you all to understand this about true repentance. Uh, true repentance can be seen with the natural eye. We don't just claim we've changed or we're changing and then get baptized. If that be the case, it can be seen. You bear fruit. You bear fruit. People can see it. Amen? True repentance and change doesn't just talk, it walks. You walk out that change. You bear the fruit of that change. Amen? And if I'm not bearing the fruit of that change, then, you know, I have not, I have not sufficiently repented. Amen. That, that's key to understand. Now, I'm talking about John's ministry and baptism because I want to get to Christian baptism. But I, leave, I believe that it's very important for us to understand this. The limit on John's ministry and baptism. There was a limit on John's ministry and baptism. This is that limit. And this is where I believe a lot of people get stuck. So John's baptism, watch this, acted as an outward seal giving a public assurance of an inward transformation that had already taken place. John's baptism acted as an outward seal. 
It was an outward seal, right, giving a public assurance of an inward transformation that had already taken place. Those who actually met John's condition for baptism experienced a genuine degree of repentance and true forgiveness in which their lives were changed for the better. we got to understand that. They actually were changed. People were changed by John's baptism, but Jesus still needed to come. Why? Because these experiences were transitional experiences. What am I saying? Those baptized by John did not experience abiding inward peace and abiding victory over sin. That was only made possible through the full gospel message of Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, in other words, after they walked away from John's baptism, they felt peace. After they walked away from John's baptism, they felt like they had victory over sin. After, and they, they did to a, to a measure, but it was temporary. It did not last. If Jesus doesn't come after that, whatever they experienced with John will ultimately become something of a memory. It'll be an experience. They will not stay there. You, you ever known people? Um, you you, you, you uh, know a lot of people who they, they, they get saved and they make that commitment. And, I mean, they're doing good sometimes for a week, two weeks, uh, maybe even a month, two months. And then they wind up falling back into the same things. They wind up going back into the same issues. That's because they have now went, not went beyond John's baptism. They're still stuck. In John's baptism, they're being baptized for repentance and remission of sins. Christian baptism is not about repentance and remission of sins. If you're baptized as a Christian in water, you've already repented of your sins. And you've already been baptized in water. The, the purpose of Christian water baptism has nothing to do with sin. And see, we'll deal with that. But most people think once I deal with my sin, I get baptized. And my baptism is evidence that I dealt with my sin. No, that's not Christian baptism. That's John's baptism. And so you'll find that these same people, because they've never been baptized as a, as a Christian, will fall right back into those sins. They'll, they'll be good for a while. They'll walk with God for a while. They'll, 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 they'll change for a while. They'll know better. They'll, they'll, they'll be better off in life. But ultimately, they'll settle right back in to who they were and never really live the new life that God has given them to live simply because you thought that that um, I was baptized to come out of sin. I was baptized to live a life where I'm not sinning anymore. That's John's baptism. And that's what I want to differentiate between. That is not Christian water baptism. We don't, Christians don't get baptized for that. Amen? And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. See, so those baptized by John did not experience abiding inward peace and abiding victory over sin. That was only made possible through the full gospel message of Jesus Christ and baptism of the Holy Spirit. But their hearts were prepared to respond and receive the gospel message through John's ministry. That's, that's important to understand. Um, uh, is that where we, we, we finished with the um, peace? That's it? Okay. Um, man, I want to kind of go into some of this other stuff um, because uh, it's important. Let me look at this real quick. Uh, and what I may have to do is I may have to deal with that um, on next week. I kind of dealt with John's ministry. I wanted um, his baptism, but I want to um, even more importantly um, deal with that. The difference between that and Christian water baptism. And um, we can do that next week. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll stop right there. I kind of got in the flow, but we can stop. Um, but I will say this much. We, we, we understand that baptism is an all-encompassing act. We understand that there's four baptisms. We understand that the baptism of John into, for baptism for sin is not. 
is not the same as that of of Christian um, water baptism. We understand that too as well. Um, and um, I, I believe that that uh, God kind of deals deal with some things. I, I want to pray with you all um, before we close out. I appreciate each and every single one of you uh, being with us even on this evening as we kind of make these adjustments. Let's go to the Lord. And the Lord, you know, I want to go back to what I shared with you from the beginning. My people perish for lack of knowledge. I need you to so tune in next week because so many people are being baptized for sin and wonder why they're not receiving the Holy Spirit. They're actually being baptized into John's baptism. They're not being baptized in a position where they can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so they do good for a while. I was doing good for a while, and I fell back. Well, that's, that, that's because you're John's disciple. You, you've been baptized into John's baptism. I was doing good, and then I, you know, you know, I was walking with God. I was obeying. I was being obedient to the Word, and, and I don't know what happened. The devil came in, and I backslid, but, but that's because you, were, you have not experienced Christian baptism yet. You, 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 and, and, and believe it or not, everything is done by faith. If you don't do it, do um, Christian water baptism from the proper perspective of I've already pe- repented. I've repented of my sin. I've put my faith in Christ. Then I'm baptized. Right? So it has nothing to, that's already been dealt with. Right? That's preceding me being baptized. And um, just differentiate, differentiating between that. I, I, I need you to make sure that you tune in next week so you can get that and uh, really, really understand um, what, what's, what's happening. Why there's so many people, I know there's so many people with questions saying, why are there so many people in the church that are just like everybody else? Why is there so many people in the church that struggle just like everybody else? Almost to the point where we actually start believing that we are supposed to be like everybody else. And that we are supposed to struggle like everybody else. It's simply because we lack foundational, doctrinal um, um, understanding of, of the Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you don't hear it, you can't have the faith of it. There's people not functioning in things that you never heard of. There are people who have been in church for 25 years that don't even know there's four baptisms. You know, just simple things like that that need to be understood so we can walk in, in the victory that God's called us to. So, Father, I just thank you. And I, and I bless you right now for the power of God. Lord God, upon everything that was said and everything that was done, I thank you that you're good. Um, I thank you, Lord God, that, that even on tonight you awaken the hearts of men and women. Who, who have a desire that know that there's more, that understand that there's more to this, that there's more to you, that there's more to, 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 to you than what I've experienced. And, Lord God, I don't know exactly what it is, but, I, but, but, but to that individual, I believe that you heard tonight that there's an open door in your heart to give you access to some things that you know are out there. There's more. I'm supposed to be experiencing more. I'm supposed to be living in more, and I'm supposed to be walking in more. And, Lord God, I just thank you that that hungry heart, that thirsty soul that is seeking that more, I thank you, Lord God, that tonight there was a release, there was a grace, there was a power of alignment, oh, Lord God, to, to, to position that hungry and thirsty soul to a place where living water is, that there, where there is refreshing, where, where, where there is wells of light springing up, where where there's true victory, where, where there's true demonstration of the kingdom in the life of the believer. Lord God, that there's grace to walk with you in power and might, not in doubt and in fear, in strength and assurity, not in weakness and flesh. And so, so Lord God, I just bless you and I thank you right now that there were answers, there was questions that were answered today. I, I thank you and I bless you right now that a fresh wind blew in the hearts of your people on today. Lord God, I thank you that you use this teaching moment. Yes, Lord. You use this teaching moment right here in this place to release access to a dimension in the Spirit of God, to, to, to a doorway. Lord God, to a doorway into those things that you have declared. God, we bless you and we thank you for it right now. That the, the, the sleeping soul is awakened. Look, those that are slumbering are quickened. That, that, that there's a hunger that's been lying dormant. That, 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 that hunger, it rises back up and that thirst, that thirst for the things of God rises back up. There's grace to know. Maybe I don't know it. Maybe there is more out there for me.
Lord God, we bless you for that. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it right now. It's in the mighty name of the Lord that we pray. Listen, God bless you all. I love you all that tuned in. Don't miss next week. We're going to truly, truly, truly tap into some stuff. I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to have to do some baptisms after I finish this. <laughs> and you know what? It's all good. Because if, if, if that's what God lays on your heart to do, let's do it. Look, God bless you, family. We love you. We'll be seeing you soon.